Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and deprecate its deplorable adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hi, everyone. And we both write for thefandamentals.com. Newly rebranded, same kind of concepts, just geeky media reviews, news, analysis, all sorts of stuff. Just remember the in the URL, thefandamentals.com. Yes. Uh, And yeah, the pun was on fundamentals, just to be perfectly clear. Yes. I know that some people were asking if the pun was on mentals, but no, just the f- yeah, it's 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 like you know the basics that you need for fandom. Yeah, and our logo even has yes. little like film reel building blocks. So I think we're clever. It, it was it was not bad. I still I still wanted fandonomics, but you <laughs> slapped that down. So because I think the economics of fandom is hilarious. Okay, why don't you start like a site about it then? <laughs> If you are just listening to our podcast for the first time, that was a really fun intro. Yes. This is Unabashed Book Snobbery, and, you know, as we said, we gush about A Song of Ice and Fire, and we complain about Game of Thrones. Yes. And one of the things that Julia and I do when it comes to Game of Thrones is that we go back and rewatch every plotline uh, mm-hmm. one at a time for a certain season, and then just write about what we think its arc is, what Benny and o- what Benny Off and Weiss were going for when they sat down to write it. Yeah, and back in the day, we used to write about it as an adaptation, but that's not really applicable anymore. Yeah, you know what? For this one, though, uh, this this is going to be for the Ironborn, the Ironbore, as we call them. Because they're boorish. They're, for their boorish behavior. It's a pun. We like yeah. puns here at the Fundamentals. For this one was kind of, it was kind of within the confines of A Feast of Crows and A Dance with Dragons in a way. Yeah, I mean, the same way that, like, you know, the last scene of season five was totally a book scene. Yeah, well, we kind of talked about it in a, like, okay, Asha isn't a lesbian in the books, so mm-hmm. why yeah. did they make this change? And then also, if they went beyond this time frame, why did they go back and, like, add this plotline in it all? So, so we yeah. kind of talk about it in that way. We are actually recording this intro right now from the future as to mm-hmm. when we recorded the rest of the episode. So what happens is that Julia and I want to write these, yes. and we decide to talk it out beforehand in a podcast. And that is what this podcast is. And then we write it. It's like a peek into our brains, basically. Yeah. Try not to be so, too terrified. You're going to go back in time and hear basically our rough draft process, like planning process. Mm-hmm. That's what you'll be listening to. And then we'll also obviously link the finished product, the written piece. But we just kind of think making it a conversation is more fun, certainly for us. And yeah. I mean, it, it's a conversation we would be having anyway. Exactly. So so if you can get yeah. entertainment out of it, that's fine. <laughs> and And then we get to record this from the future and tell you how wonderfully it turned out, which I actually am pretty happy with this one. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty happy, too. I mean, like, it's impressive when you write 6,000 words about what is essentially nothing. Well, and (laughs) 
it, this also allows us to address a couple things because uh, this didn't come up in our piece or in the podcast we recorded, but Priesty McBeard faced Joya. Mm-hmm. He is credited on the Game of Thrones official website as Aaron Greyjoy. Yeah, sure. And not only that, but he's listed in the Greyjoy family tree as the youngest. My my favorite little detail from that little family tree is that uh, Theon and Asha's mother, Alanis Harlot, is li- is listed as Alanis Greyjoy. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they still called her Catelyn Stark. Like every minute, I don't think anyone called yeah. her Catelyn Tully, except her her one scene at the end when she was like, "I was Catelyn Tully the last time I came through." Yeah, but like, I dude, mean, like these people don't really have last names, you know, like. They no. belong to a house, but it's like it's not really a last name. <laughs> no, but like, how are we supposed to believe that this like octogenarian is the younger <laughs> brother of Euron? Like, how? Magic. It the wizard does did not. It. it does not work in like any respect. What's a detail? Like, mm. we've been talking about that for years. How just like the show just does not pay attention to important details. Sometimes it pays attention to like the most crazy random details, like mm. uh. Like how the bars on the windows in porn were shaped like spears. Like, you know, somebody cared enough to have that detail. But things like, you know, birth order doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Why would why would birth order matter? Because it's not like this plotline revolved around someone's claim to the Iron Islands or anything. So no. clearly they could just be born whenever the fuck they want. No difference. I don't know, maybe like Euron really takes care of himself. But- Aaron has really let himself go. Aaron just doesn't have political ambitions. Exactly. Yeah. He just wants to drown people, <laughs> stare at them, and hope that they know CPR. <laughs> okay, you're stepping on our own toes now. Oh, Let's I get know. into the meat of the episode. Yeah, you'll enjoy it, I think. Um, we're going to break down some fandom nicknames for you for- Wait, actually, no. I think when we recorded it, we didn't even know that we had fandom nicknames. But no. we'll just do like an awkward jump cut transition into it. How's that? I like awkward jump cuts. Okay. This is our continuing retrospective of series of, of uh, Game of Thrones season six. And today we are focused on the Iron Born. We're calling them the Iron Boars, B-O-O-R-S for because now. They're, they're Some very boorish. Someone suggested it on and on uh, on my Tumblr. And I thought it was clever because we had called the book Iron Born the Iron Boar, B-O-R-E, because they're snooze fests. <laughs> yes. Sorry to all of their fans. Although actually Theon wasn't, we weren't including Theon in that because he is not supposed to be at the Iron Islands right now. Yes. What is happening? His character isn't very Iron-born-ish. And when he tries to be, he fails horribly. See, the Clash of Kings. But we're going to do what we do best, which is walk you back through the plotline, recap it. Uh, We'll already have actually recapped the end scene with Danny. Because that was in our deadpan thing, but this time we'll be looking at it through the eyes of, uh, you know, Theon and Yara's arc. And as of right now, um, boy, do we not have any fandom nicknames, because we kind of forgot about this. Yeah, well, we have the Iron Boar, that's that's a nickname. We have the Salt Moot. The Salt Moot, and yeah, the the Salt Throne. <laughs> well, the Salt Throne is canonical. Is, yeah. So that's not a fandom nickname, but that's why we call it the Salt Moot, because they're competing yeah. for the Salt Throne, <laughs> and because we're very salty about this. Was I the only one who's, like, like picturing them on, like, on a giant, like, salt lick? Just, like, sitting on a giant salt lick while, like, it a horse It sounds dumb as shit. It? And it, yeah. it's not aided by the fact that the crown, the driftwood crown that we actually see, looks terrible. Mm-hmm. It looks like a fourth grader's art project. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
Well, like, they're supposed to make a new crown for every king, right? Like, they break the crown when the king dies and make a new one out of some driftwood that they find. I don't know. This show doesn't really seem to resemble that culture very well. Yeah. All right, so we have Yara the Swashbuckling Lascivian, which is a reference to Burning Love. And if you haven't seen that, like, pause this, go watch Burning Love, and then come back. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then there's just Theon, yeah. who we used to call Theek. Yes. Because he, he was, was an alchemation yeah. of Theon and Reek, depending on the needs of the scene. Yeah, not but depending on the needs of his character arc, depending on the needs of the scene. Did usually we not... depending on the needs of Ramsay. Yeah, well, of course, that, that goes without saying. Did we not come up with any name for, like, Euron? I know we were calling him a cuddly pooh bear. <laughs> I keep calling him a cuddly pooh bear. Um, there's this one re- recapper, oh, God, black nerd recap, something like that, who's calling him Discount Russell Crowe. Uh-huh. Um, I've seen Euroff. Uh, I've seen Eurovision before. Uh, I like Euroff because it's like fucking weird. But no, we we didn't really come up. He's not that interesting. Like, no, like there's nothing to him. Like, we'll get to it, I guess. Is there anything else at all? Like, I kind of want to. I kind of want a name like Beardy for the for Aaron because <laughs> he's so bad. You can call him Old Priest Dude. Like just old man. Like I don't know. Priest dude. His name is Priest dude. We can call him uh, Ambrose of Milan. I don't know. He could play Ambrose of Milan, I guess, if you wanted to. I can't to. believe he was supposed to be Aaron. It's so bad. Um, but no, I mean, honestly, that's that's it. We we we'll, we might come up with more fan nicknames as we go on, but usually we only is he ever nicknames. explicit? Is it ever explicitly stated that like old priest dude is their uncle? Yeah. Outside of the episode, but I don't know. I don't know about within it. I'm not sure about that. Does Yara ever call him uncle? Look it up. Uh, she calls... Nope. Nope. Okay, so don't we don't so. actually know that this man is also a Greyjoy. Like, we wouldn't know that unless we happen to listen to the outside of the episodes. Never. Such great writing, guys. Uh, yeah, actually there's really no indication because the way Yara talks to him is a little weird, and we'll get to that because she's like, talks to like my father. It's not like your brother or anything, but whatever anyway um boy this is terrible this is just <laughs> terrible we have to jump in like what are we doing i have no idea okay so um the first thing that we're going to consider we're not going to consider all this stuff that theon and sansa get up to in the first episode of the red woman uh we're just going to start talking about the uh second episode home um this is the end of the scene that begins with brienne and sansa talking about Arya, but um which is really like I boy do we have our work cut out with uh, for ourselves with uh, Winter Hell? Cause, like no, just like even like flipping through all these episodes. Like I think I messaged you a couple times, being just like Winter Hell is going to take us so fucking long. Yeah, because because <laughs> we'd be like trying to like skip to the Ironborn scene and be like, oh my god, remember Ramsey's apple? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Theon and Pod are building a fire. <laughs> And, yeah, let's not talk about the Sansa stuff. Um, and Brienne, Brienne kind of, like, is, well, uh, during the end of the conversation with Brienne, yeah. she's saying, like, I guess it must have been hard for to choose something or other. Yeah. But she's looking at Theon, so it seems like she's kind of sympathizing with him. I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, but uh, Theon starts having a minor freakout because he doesn't want to make a fire because he's obviously just, like, he's traumatized by, like, even the thought that Ramsay is still following them and trying to hunt them. Uh, so Sansa walks up to him and she's all like, she stands him now. 
Yeah. She just, um, she's just really happy with him, and, and he's like, oh, I killed you, I, I killed those farm boys, and she's like, eh. Yeah, well, because Sansa wants to, uh, her, her plan right now is to go up to the wall and hang with John and, like, make a plan with him, and Theon's like, no, no, like, John will kill me, like, you know, the minute he sees me, and Sansa's and she, like... Uh, oh, because she was, yeah, because she was like, oh, explain, you didn't hurt Brandon Rickon. <laughs> and, yeah, only Theon seems to give a shit about the fact that he killed two farm boys. Sansa would never care about shit like that. Um... So Look, we the, the scene is bad, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, like it's hard to explain because like it's just all of a sudden, Theon is like, "I'm gonna go back, quote unquote, home to the Iron Islands," right? And for plot reasons, yeah. And it's just like, okay, so he says that like he can't make amends to the Starks, I guess. So like the thought process is that like I I never could make up what I did to your family, so therefore I'm just going to like run away or something back to the islands and then he says he says this very strange thing he says i would have taken you all the way to the wall i would have died to get you there i'm just like so okay julia and i have a theory that just before writing just before taking the four (laughs) hours that they took to write this season then the often wife said like marathoned the lord of the rings movies Mm -hmm. because there were a bunch of callbacks in the deadpan uh retrospective if you remember like you know fabio and jorah overlooking you know bias dr back and whatever um but but this one is like almost verbatim what aragorn says to frodo (laughs) at the end of the fellowship what i don't understand is that like what is stopping him from going to the wall and dying to get her there i would have gone all the way but i have to go home and then he takes one of her horses And, like, what's frustrating is that, you know, he spends all the season trying to redeem himself. Like, like you know, D&D were talking about the the great sin of Theon's life was, was betraying the Starks. And now he's saving Sansa to do it. Like, they made it Sansa so he could save a Stark. Mm-hmm. And then he stops giving a shit about the Starks. And he's just and like, goes, I goes have to, to the go Ironborn? plot line. <laughs> right. And he goes to the Iron Islands where they're, like, trying to be independent or some shit. Whatever the shit they're getting up to there. Yeah. But like, what? Yeah. In other things to do. Yeah, he has, Alfie Allen is too good for this shit, is, like, the one good thing about this scene. Um, He's so talented. But, like, yeah, like, you make a good point because, like, his entire arc, like, since season three, at least, when he was first captured by Ramsay, was that, like, he was a Stark all along, basically, right? Like, that's where... Actually, his, honestly, since season two... Yeah, that, like, like, that's where his, his true affection was. conversations with Yara like, and, and Roderick were, like, hammering that out. Yeah, yeah like, like, you know... I should have died with Rob at the Red Wedding. Like, what What am I doing here? All of that. So now all of a sudden, the Iron Islands are home and he has to go there? Like, what? He has plot things to do. But, like, no, like you, you made the point that, yeah, they bent over backwards last season to give him, like, an arc with, like, Sansa and everything like that. And then they just, like, right, threw like, it like out he the couldn't window. save Jane Poole, right? He had to save a Stark. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's go to the Iron Islands. <laughs> let's, because... I have good news. What's what's that? The good news is that Palon won the War of the Five Kings. <laughs> and he actually points this out. Yeah, he does. They also are, like, having this conversation about how the Glovers have retaken Deepwood Mott mm-hmm. and, like, killed the Ironborn there. And just, like, fuck you, D&D. Because, like, if anyone who doesn't remember how the Glovers got Deepwood Mott back in the books, like, Yara was the one there mm-hmm. fighting. And it's just, like, that. that was such an, like, incredible chapter for her arc yeah of just like her failure and her like you know what fuck this let's just run away like i'm not gonna die doing this yes and just it it meant so much to who asha is and the fact that yara is just like casually mentioning it as like a footnote by the way this happened it's like 
Fuck you. <laughs> Did Stannis' army that fucked off go help the Glovers? Yeah, no, how did the Glovers get deep and not back? That's what I want to know. Yeah, Stannis' army that fucked off. <laughs> yeah, like, Stannis' army that fucked off and disappeared into nowhere. Did that, it's, Julia was laughing at my notes. We take <laughs> notes and don't necessarily read over what we do. So, for instance, Julia's next note is, I like your actor's voice, though. She should do audiobooks. Yeah, she has a really nice voice. If only, like, she weren't using it to, like, you know, talk about raping. <laughs> Yeah, what's, what's her name? Gem- Gemma Whelan, I yeah. believe. It's that very, um, what has this brought us? Pine cones and, like, that yeah. like, quality. She's also too good for this shit. She's really good. Speaking of things that are shit, this war, uh, <laughs> it's going to shit, but, like, Balan is all about, like, the moral victory because, like, as long as people are obeying him, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, or something. And, <laughs> and Yara's kind of like, this is really fucking stupid. Uh-huh. Like we're not winning anything. You're just you're just risking all this for like like she's she's trying to be like where's your kingdom? And then he's like, well, remember when you tried to save Theon? Bad on you. And you're like, um, I think these are different scales. Yeah. And also, your heir was in danger. Like, what is this? And she circumnavigated the entire continent to save him. Like, aren't you proud of her? Um, now I don't know if anyone was following our commentary uh, during the season on Phantom Following, but mm-hmm. I loved Yara in this scene. Yeah. Knowing what comes, no. But she was actually arguing about the futility of the reaving style and really bringing she mentioned up very valid combs. points. <laughs> she had a refusal to be infantilized. Yeah. She was really obsessed with dinosaurs. <laughs> Stop. Anyway, so, like, Balin is, like, a complete asshole. Like, he's just not a nice guy. And he's, like, just, like, telling her off, basically, for giving him perfectly valid advice, which is, like, supposed to be her job, I think. And... Yeah, and and then he's like, like get in line or else I'm gonna make a new heir. Yeah, or something. Although to be fair, at least he acknowledges that she's his heir. Yeah, men- remember that for the next fucking scene, please. Um, all right. So... Oh no, well not the next scene because the next scene is. Yeah, so Balon like goes off in a huff because his daughter is making valid points and that upsets him. And he's so upset that he decides to cross a rickety bridge in the middle of the night <laughs> during a storm. Yeah, which. That's how, like, the real Balon died, I guess. So I guess that's what they do, because they're so badass in the Iron Islands. But, oh, yeah, so he's crossing this rickety bridge, and then all of a sudden there's this, like, hooded figure just, like, on the bridge. And for a second we we're really excited. Yeah. yeah, we thought it was a faceless man. We're like, oh, yay, an adaptation. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, and not Balon is like, man. what the fuck? <laughs> Who are you, stranger on the bridge? Go away so I can pass. And so then he pulls his hood back, and it's cuddly little poo bear <laughs> oh my god he's so cute he has like dimples <laughs> now this man d- looks nothing like Euron. like the Euron of the books Pilo, is like Abba, what's what's his uh, yeah P- the Euron of the books is like kind of like very hard and like pointy almost i think you can say like yeah yeah like there's nothing soft about him this guy is like he's cuddly like god i have no idea how to pronounce this it's like palau Aspek? Yeah, he has a very strange sounding name. I'm sorry, I don't I don't know how to pronounce Danish names. Yeah. I don't do well with Michael Hoosman either. Um so they have a conversation that like doesn't really make like It's a non-versation. Would you like to summarize this conversation? Yes, yes, I would. Because it, it is it is a classic, classic non-versation where uh-huh. one person will say one thing and the other person will say another thing. So uh at one point he's like 
Euron is like, what is uh, dead may never die? And then Balin like doesn't answer. And he's like, don't you answer? And Balin says, no, you're <laughs> mocking the gods. And then Euron says, but I am the god. I am the drowned god. And it's the first and last people they see. And then at one point, <laughs> Euron just like outright threatens Balon. He says, you're old and it's time you stepped aside and let someone else rule. And then Balon's just like, well, I heard you're scared of storms. And then Euron says, I am the storm. <laughs> and in that was a really weird backstory about how a storm came on a ship and <laughs> Euron's crew had a time to the mast yeah, because he was so scared of it. And then he t- cut out their tongues. But yeah. then somehow the story still got out. Yeah. And he's like, why did you cut out the tongues? He's like, I wanted silence. Just like, what? what's happening? <laughs> and then, like, I think the most ridiculous part is that they're calling each other brother and screaming at each other. But Balin is clearly, like, decades <laughs> older than this man. I like, mean, 40 or 50 be. years. That could be. But, so eventually, like, Euron just, like, well, Balon like, takes out a knife, right? And then Euron sure. just, like, throws him over the bridge into the sea. But, like, Balon manages to scratch him on the cheek. And I'm sure this will be super duper significant later that he got a scratch. He didn't even get an eye patch out of it. Like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) No, but like, 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 why did they like spend the extra half hour in makeup to put that scar on his cheek in the next scene? Like, what did it add at all? (laughs) Like, Yara didn't even call him out on it or anything. She wasn't even like, what happened to your face? so, So what was the point of that cut cheek thing? Like, to be fair to the scene, it kind of got book Euron's, like, posturing correct, but the context is really weird because, like, every time Euron talks like this, he's giving a speech to a crowd. He's not just yeah. on a bridge with his brother. It's just so weird. I just don't know what to make of this. And, like, um, when the scene aired, when the first scene aired, and, like, a lot of the, like, Ironborn stands were really excited about it. Well, because, like, it had elements mm-hmm. of... Well, just like that scene before had elements of Asha, right? Right. So it had elements of Euron, right? Because, like, he does kind of talk a little bit like, I am the Storm God, when he's, you know, like, like I think we said this before when we filmed the Iron Boar podcast, when we we're like, he's always sounding like he's giving a stump speech. Yeah. So there was elements of that. I'm not going to deny it. But then it was, like, just shouted out in these, like, weird non sequiturs at this guy <laughs> who's supposed to be his brother. And no, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, somebody took out, like, you know, like a red letter Bible where they have, like, all of Jesus' words in red. It's like somebody <laughs> did that, like for a feast for crows, and but it, it was just like Euron's words in red, and just like picked yeah. random ones out and just kind of threw them into the speech. I don't understand the mast story. We're supposed to think he was scared of a storm. I think. Well, like, I think we're supposed to think he's like a poser. I think, I just... but then like other stuff happens, and I don't know. Like he's he seems really not threatening no. at all. Anyway, okay. So the next scene is Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, we, who's like eighty? Yeah, I mean, in, like, yeah. There's like, <laughs> like we said, there's absolutely no indication whatsoever that this is Aaron Greyjoy. It's just like some guy, and he's conducting the funeral for Balon. Well, also they have a body. How did they find him? I think they found the body in the books, right? Did there were they... like crabs eating his eyes or something. Okay, fine. Yeah, but apparently there are sharks in the Iron Islands. <laughs> there's no sharks in porn, but there's sharks in the Iron Islands. <laughs> there must be Greenland sharks. Just so you're keeping track. Yeah. And um, Yara tells her... I will find the article. man who did this to my father, and I will make him pay. I'll feed him to the sharks. <laughs> feed him to the sharks. Oh, something new and different. Yeah. And Aaron is just like, uh, like you can't swear anything by the salt throne because you're not the king. 
And but she's just like, but you know, I was my and father's she, heir. He said so just in the last scene. And and, Bail- and and Aaron goes, the law is clear. <laughs> I don't care what Balin thought. Like the law is clear. The law. What is the law exactly? And apparently, the law is the salt newt. Yes, there will be a salt newt, and then the captains and the kings will choose a king. Maybe the law is like only people with penises can inherit, and then if there's no one to inherit, there's a salt newt. Why didn't they say that then? They didn't say anything. They just said a woman. He said a woman has never ruled Iron Island, so maybe that's the implication that that's why there's a salt newt. Why didn't they say that then? Well, I mean, honey, if if we're gonna be asking the questions of why didn't they, like we're gonna be here (laughs) till midnight. Okay. I mean, like I don't know. Maybe it's like the early kings of Scotland who kept on trying to institute primogeniture, but then it never worked out and. So maybe Balan was like really he really wanted her to be the heir, but he forgot. You know what? You know what's actually funny what? is if that's kind of the implication, right? That it's male preference primogeniture here, and to the degree where like she, her claim is getting passed over for the salt move. Mm-hmm. This is more than we ever heard about any sort of inheritance about Dorne, like in the show. Yeah, they've never mentioned the Pornish inheritance structure. Uh, they have in the. Um... In supplementary materials on the DVD, like the history and lore. Which they then never adapted. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway. Well, I'm not sure on... if the history and lore is canonical within the show, actually. So. Well, it's narrated by uh, yeah. their actors. Well, it could so. be like, you know, semi-canonical. I don't know. Nat Dormer just got bored one day and was like, can I talk about the history of the Tyrells? Thanks. <laughs> about how all those scheming women. Um, so, are we done with this scene? Yeah, she did a good job. Have you listened to hers? Yeah, well, you know, she's a good actor. You know who's not an especially good actor? This guy playing Aaron. I have no idea who it is. But he's just like... <laughs> no, it's just... I'm so used to performances on this show being, like, really, really good. So, like, when you just have, like... A, when you have a performance that's just competent, it, like, really sticks out. <laughs> you know what's actually funny is that Ma- if, if Max von Sydow had been given this role, he, he there would have been more for him to do. <laughs> you know what? That's yeah. not even a joke. <laughs> I'm not making a joke. And he's the right age to play this old fart, so No, he could have he could have like really instilled some gravitas into this. Fuck, just put Maxwell Siddle on a wig and get your most for him. Like we probably wouldn't have noticed the difference. No, but like He could have played both characters. You're actually right. There's act- this man actually had like more substantive content than Maxwell Siddow. <laughs> but Max got his enemy nomination, so it's okay. Julia, right. the next episode is Book of the Stranger, episode four. Yes. Um, and apparently uh, Theon, in the course of these two episodes, this is episode four, so since episode two, he's managed to ride that horse somewhere, <laughs> I don't know, Seaguard, maybe, uh, and get a boat ride to the Iron Islands, and he has arrived at the Iron Islands. And, and I'm sure boat rides to the Iron Islands are in high demand right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know, maybe he sold his horse that Sansa gave him and got a boat ride. Anyway, this fucking scene. Yeah, he gets to Pike, and Yara is, like, sitting in front of the fire, just like Balon was, like, the first time that Theon walked in there, which mm-hmm. is a nice touch. Um, so... It is. Hmm? It is. Yeah. The attention to detail is so, like... Randomly good? It's just like, if you can do this, why can't you mm-hmm. write a coherent scene? Yeah, I know. Like, it's true. Like, the thing, like, uh, you know the thing about the ring that we made a little bit of a boo-boo with? Yes. So apparently the ring that we talked about, uh, deadpan, uh, we called we, it her we wedding ring. Ro- 
we wrongfully assumed it was her wedding ring. Yeah, because, like, they never called attention to it before. But, and they confirmed that she was married on the show, too. Yeah, so we were just like, oh, is that her wedding ring? We just called her wedding. But this is a prop that Amelia Clark has been wearing since season one. And apparently it has this whole backstory attached to it that it belonged to Rayella and was the only thing that she had of hers. Which actually doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. Yeah, but, like... Like, if they even had a scene, like, in the first season of her, like, looking at the ring and telling someone about it, you know, but no, they just, they just, like, magically thought it would be significant because somebody may have noticed that Amelia Clark was, has been wearing it in random scenes in season one. Like, it might help out Amelia Clark as a method actor. Yeah. No, but, like, they have, is- they have the attention to detail to make sure she's wearing the same ring in, like, random multiple scenes across six seasons. Right. But they can't write a coherent story. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. So Yara's looking at the fire and it's symbolic. Yeah. And Theon comes in and she's just like, oh, God. what are you doing here? Um, like, I don't even, I don't know how to talk through any of these scenes. Uh, so she's assuming that he came to, like, make a claim for the throne. And she's assuming he's involved in the death, too, because his timing of arrival is suspicious. Basically, he's taking the place of Euron from the books. <laughs> yeah. Right now. But he quickly is like, no, I just came back. And then then somehow it turns into her yelling at him for not going with her yeah, at the Dreadfort. It's, like, really bad. Yeah, and he she, just keeps just, saying, like, sorry, like, to an extent that you think he may be Canadian. Yeah, and she keeps saying, like, those men's death, they're on you, mm-hmm. you betrayed me. And then Dan says, I was broken. And she's like, I know, I, 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 he said he broke me to bits. And she's like, I know, I got mailed one of a piece of those bits or some shit like that. Yeah. So she knows what he's been through. And she's just like, I know. And I, I still think you suck and you killed dad. And Yeah. And she just keeps yelling at him and like demands that he say what he's doing here. And he eventually says that he's here to support her claim to the throne. But, oh, but before that, when he's, like, getting really upset, she screams at him to stop crying and stuff. Like, this is really, really disturbing. There's there's no other way about it. The only thing, like, a potential honeypot that makes her not the worst person in the world is if she truly believes he murdered Balon mm-hmm. and this is her response the whole time. But her response to his PTSD here is very similar to what we see in a later scene. So I think yeah. that kind of falls apart. And yeah. he's just, she's just like, you know... Imposing all her toxic masculine ideals on him, basically, and being all like, you know, stop crying. Yeah, because she keeps saying, like, who would want you to lead now? And he's like, well, I want you to lead. Yeah. And then and then there's, like, a touching look between them. Yeah, because, I don't know, they bonded over the fact that they're something. I don't know. Anyway, Probably. that takes us to the... <laughs> We're doing such a horrible job at this. Okay. We, we have, like, two scenes left to talk about. It's not that big of a deal. That takes us to the salt mood. Yeah, is that in the next episode, The Door, our favorite episode... Um, it's time for the salt mood. It's quite a paltry gathering. It's like, it's like they're, they're filming in a village in Northern Ireland, right? So they probably just like went to the pub and took all the guys who were like hanging around outside the pub smoking. And were like, hey, would you like, you know, 50 euros to stand around in costume for a few hours? And that's how they cast the scene. <laughs> that explains the Aaron actor. It does. He's the barkeep. Because <laughs> you know how Irish pubs are always like pubs slash something else? So it's like a pub, it's a pub slash pet shop. I feel like we're going to end up just calling him like Long Hair McFace or something. Like, <laughs> what is he? He's, I tell you, he's the barkeep in the Northern Irish, the Northern Irish village that's also, uh, a Northern Irish village pub that's also a pet shop. That's where like, they normally, 
normally they at least try to recreate whatever imagery Martin describes in his books. Mm-hmm. If you read the salt moot, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they didn't even try. Yeah, it's in, the, it's in a very particular location of historical significance and things like that with bones and shit. Mm-hmm. But like here, they're just on a hill, basically, yeah, like on a they're cliff, just, like, and there's just like a bunch of guys kind of standing around. <laughs> It's kind of like the disorderly throne room from Cheryl's Landing. <laughs> and Priesty McFace or whatever we're calling him. Um, <laughs> he's just like, so who's going to make a claim? And Yara is just like, I'll go. I'll go. And she's just Which, like, if you, if you read the salt, if you read, I'm sorry, the um, King's Moot chapter, it, this is a slap in the face because there's so much like strategy to go of who's making the claim when. Mm-hmm. And there's like, people there i don't know whatever just keep going yeah and like you, so you have like champions and things like that and you have to give like gifts to the captains and everything like that. it's a whole thing and none of it's here um <laughs> it's just yara talking to like 20 dudes yeah and she's like just just starts talking bullshit and <laughs> um Talks about how the Ironborn have never made their mark upon the world because she's never read the world of ice and fire. Obviously, she doesn't know about Howard and Hall or anything like that. Um, I bet Shireen never got to educate her. No, poor, poor Yara. She never got to go to Shireen's school for <laughs> community placey literates. Um, and so the, but then like she's making her speech and she seems to be doing very well and everyone's like shouting her name and then some like random dude shouts out, "A woman will not lead us because Theon's here." Yeah, and uh, the the thing about this guy who shouts out, just to let you know, there is a uh, there's a casting sheet out that was saying like for for Game of Thrones for the for the casting announcements for season six, and it was something like man shares scene with Euron or whatever, and it's a pirate and he makes his mark with really like strong. I forget exactly what it is. It was, it was like really strong language, and he. And he shared... Oh, right, here it is. I'm sorry. So, I'm just gonna start again. Yeah, so, uh, and by the way, like, if anyone remembers back to, like, season six casting announcements, there was a call for a, quote, rugged pirate. <laughs> this character stands up in a crowd, makes himself her- heard, and has a lot of forceful dialogue in a scene with leading cast members. <laughs> that was the woman will not lead us, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that dude. Yeah. Well, so f- some forceful dialogue from him saying yeah, that a woman won't lead us. Yeah, because Balon's true ear has returned, and indeed Theon is there, and he has a new haircut. It's very on point. And it's flattering. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice. Oh, Balon's a good-looking man. And um, then there's this like moment of like silence where I think we're supposed to think that Theon is going to double cross her, or we're supposed to be tense about that. Yeah, because the guy's like, Balon's heir is right there. Why would we want you? Yeah, and then there's this whole like. Is he going to speak for her? But then he does. He channels Pitar Jr. and is all like, She is your rightful ruler! Bow to her! <laughs> and so Theon gives a really good speech, a much better speech than Yara, it must be said, about why Yara should be queen. And I'm pretty sure Zach wrote an entire article on why this is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> we'll link it. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it, it looks like, you know, they have this sewn up, um, this... And there's, like, really dramatic feminist music playing. How is music feminist? Because it's swelling when he's talking about, like, she's so awesome. Yeah, because she's a reaver. Um, she is ironborn! She is ironborn! Yeah. And so then Euron just kind of moseys up, and the music stops. And just... It's just like, hey! No, it's just like, I don't think it's the actor's fault. Like, he never should have been cast, you know? <laughs> like, this is, this is obviously just 
a very miscast character, and that's not the actor's fault. Unless we're supposed to think he's, like, cuddly. Yeah. But there's absolutely nothing imposing about this character whatsoever. No, and he's, like, really cash. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he just, like, strolls up and he's just like, oh, hi, you don't have a dick. Uh-huh. And, like, he's, he says that about, like, four times. Do you think, like, Donald Trump is embarrassing with how much he mentions his penis during debates? Like, no. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, but like really, no. He just he just strolls he mm-hmm. just strolls up his like niece nephew. He pats Theon on the cheek and then he yeah. says, "Heard you fucked things up, and I heard you have no cock." Yeah, he just kind of explains why. That. And then he says, it "Explains why you think a woman can be king." Yeah, and like Yara is completely just like she's out. she's silent. Yeah, for, for she she barely says anything, and she's just like completely totally flustered. Like she has no response. To... Well, she says one. She says one thing. She says, "Now I know what my first act as queen will be—to execute the man who killed my father." And so, like, people are like, "Murmur, murmur, murmur." But then Euron just goes, "Yeah, yeah, I totally I did. did." And like, that's paying the iron price for the throne or something because Kinslaying is cool. Yeah, he said that he led us into wars we couldn't win. I apologize. I didn't even kill him sooner. So she's but, like, stealing, as he's... he's stealing Ash's platform right now. Yeah, but my favorite thing, too, is that as he's saying, like, yeah, I did, not a soul stirs. Like, this guy just up and admitted that he killed your king, and people are just, like, listening to him as if he's saying something like, yeah, I hear it's going to be 70 degrees tomorrow. They're like, hmm, okay. Yeah, and he takes objection. He is, well, like, his whole, like, point seems to be, like, you know, Yara and Vian are both girls, and he makes fun Which of Vian. Which We'll get into it, but I think that's to a point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a poor, it's like a, a poorly conceived point, but I think it's still there. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely trying. He, he objects to Theon using the word gallivant. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, because Theon's like, we were here while you were gallivanting around, and he says, like, oh, is gallivant the kind of word you use when you don't have a cock? <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's verbatim what he says. I also think that Benyana from West might have been throwing shade on W. Because they mentioned specifically, like, he led us into two wars we couldn't win and stuff. I don't know. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes D&D let their, like, like, it's, it's like how their atheism kind of leaks out into things sometimes. Yeah, but in, not in a good way. Um, yeah, and just, and just like, we're liberals writing for a big TV show kind of way. Yeah. Um. So this, like, completely wins the whole crowd over. Like, Yara doesn't have yeah. a chance. Um. Yeah, they get really, really excited. They start cheering. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, they start cheering. The the thing that gets them to start cheering is when he's like, I paid the iron price for the throne. Yeah, because Yara says that she's going to build the biggest fleet that the world has ever seen or something like that. And then, like, Reeve, I guess. And he says, no, I'm going to I'm going to actually build it. Yeah. I'm the one who's going to do that. And, like... And I... And I paid the iron for... So, so they're, they're literally cheering at the kinslaying. Yeah, and... For some reason, they like Euron more than Yara, even though they have the exact same platform. And but it's because I think because he's a dude, right? That's the commentary. Yeah, I, I think so. But like, they're really not doing Yara any favors because she just stands there and takes it. Like she has. Well, this whole thing is really dumb. I mean, like, like how are we supposed to believe that she can be an effective queen if she has no comeback to this? Like, <sighs> yeah. I mean, at least Theon's gallivant tried to have a comeback. Exactly. Anyway, whatever. We then move into this weird montage. Yeah, where Theon and Yara are running away. uh, With, like, a bunch of dudes. Yeah. And it's time for Euron's coronation. And the coronation uh, consists 
of uh priesty mcbeard face um <laughs> so we're calling him something like that right i think it's sticking yeah priesty mcbeard face is uh drowning him in the sea like um which is like from the books, it's like the Ironborn kind of baptism practice where you basically drown the, somebody the, and then you like revive them with CPR. For the religious people, yeah. Yeah, except they, they skip the CPR part. But like, oh my god. My favorite part is how like they just kept, cause in all of Aaron's chapters, he has all this like interior dialogue where he's talking about like the sea and how like he was reborn when he was drowned and everything like that. So they just take like random bits of that and turn it into a coronation <laughs> blessing. <laughs> He's like, let the scales fall from his eyes and let the fish eat them off. <laughs> that is like, no, those are just like random weird thoughts that Aaron had. But <laughs> they turned it into... <laughs> and so, yeah, so they fish him out of the water after, like, you know, the water gets into his lungs. And they just, like, kind of lay him down on the beach and they all, like, they just look at him. Oh my god, I can't get... This might be my favorite scene in the entire show this season. <laughs> like, they don't... literally, like... They held him underwater until he sucked in water, uh-huh. and then they just lie him down and watch. Yeah, like, they don't try to watching. perform CPR or, like... They just watch it. Yeah. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, but if you pull a body out of the ocean like that, perform CPR. Yes. You can't just watch them to magically cough up water. But uh, somehow Euron does indeed magically cough up water, which I guess means... That he's king, but unfortunately it also means that he doesn't really look very kingly. You know, he's kind of like wet and bedraggled and like he can't really talk because he just like drowned and coughed up his well, lungs. Well, and like if they wanted him to seem kingly, you know, they could have had swelling music here, but they didn't. No. They just like cut the music out so we hear him choking and looking really like. Yeah. He's like on his knees dripping like looking like he just used a neti pot or something and then they <laughs> stick this crown on his head that's like two twigs glued together so if he's supposed to be an intimidating king they're not doing him any favors no i is he supposed to be an intimidating king i guess we can talk about the analysis and then and then the best thing happens yeah. did we talk about how he put, gets the crown put on his head yeah yeah just the best what's What's the best line of the show, Julia? Yeah, and just kind of stands there and he says, where are my niece and nephew? <laughs> Let's go murder them. <laughs> Carol Award winner. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Best line. And so they all just kind of like walk over to like some well, okay. other cliff. They like, no, 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 no. Joy, you're not painting a good picture. They're like marching, yeah. like, like in a line. Priestie McBeard, McFace or whatever his name is, is like, face. <laughs> he's like, he's like pumping his arms and he's like walking right behind his ear. It looks so bad. But it's, it all looks so like low budget, you know? Like, like they just like got a bunch of guys standing outside of a pub and they dressed him up and now they're like, filming a scene on the beach and, and the barkeep is the priest yeah. <laughs> and so they, they see a bunch of like the ships in the distance and uh priesty McBeard face says they stole our best ships because I guess he's invested in uh Team Euron now <laughs> why not because he just he just didn't like Yara and her vagina so. yeah. I, I think this is like Alaria level character assassination, to tell you the truth. Varen? <laughs> yeah. Because if there's one consistent character trait that he has, it's that he's not into Euron. <laughs> well, and then the one trait about Euron is that he's not a godly man, and here he is being drowned, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. 
Euron says, like, we need to build more ships, so mm-hmm. then he orders them to chop down every tree, which, if you know anything about Ironborn, like, Iron Island's world building, you're just, like, shaking your head right now. Yeah, like, that's gonna be, like, three trees, okay? Um, <laughs> we do not sew. Yeah. Um, Lord. Okay, so, yeah, like, the scene is over, and that's the last we see of Euron for the entire season in episode Very five. Very good part this season. Huh? Very good part this season. That's what his casting sheet said. It said it was a very good part this season. I'm not impressed with What's-His-Face's performance. I'm I'm not impressed with the material What's-His-Face had to work with. No, it's like, yeah, I'm not sure if it's, like, it's hard to tell sometimes, like, if it's the actor's fault or if it's just the script. But, like... I don't think I'm impressed and I get that. I get messages like conflicting all the time about that from like like an Anons or like have you seen Kit Harrington in this he's shit there mm-hmm. and then other people will be like have you seen Kit Harrington in this he's wonderful and you're like um I don't know what to do with this <laughs> anyway so um do you want to take the lead in this scene um this is episode seven the salt moot was episode five and they are in Volantis Yara and Theon how long did it take Quentin see- to get to Volantis. <laughs> Let's just talk about these things. And uh, <laughs> and we know that they're in Volantis, like their ships are sitting in the harbor proudly displaying the Greyjoy Kraken. It's going to be so hard for Euron to find them. And when we get into the brothel, we see that they are super not into paying the iron price because like every person has a sex worker, a sex slave. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, it's Volantis. Every person has like a slave on their lap, which means they're clearly paying, which is, you know, whatever. Whatever. We'll talk about world building later. Mm-hmm. And Alfie Allen is sitting there doing a very good job of demonstrating. Like, and the director's doing clearly... a really good job too. Like, there's all these extreme yeah. close ups. And, like. He, he's clearly triggered mm-hmm. by this setting because, you know, he had. He was mutilated and, like, underwent sexual abuse and shit. Yeah. So he's, he's dealing with his PTSD. And he had to watch and... somebody get raped not long ago. Yeah, and sitting about five feet from him is Yara's slurping face with, like, this sex slave. Mm -hmm. Who has a really nice ass, apparently. Great ass. They don't have asses like that in Westeros. And (laughs) Theon is, like, sitting there, and Yara's like, oh, come on, some of us still like this. Because he says, like, do we have to be here, basically? And she's like, Like some of us still like it. And then then she, like, sends the slave away, and she's like, I'm gonna find you later. (laughs) Um... (sighs) And, like, I'm still wondering, like, why couldn't he have just, like, stayed on the boat? Yeah. Like. Why did you drag him here, Yara? Yeah. And it's really hilarious, too, that, like, he was castrated. That's really funny. Yeah, like, he can't have sex anymore even if he wants to. Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) Yeah. And she's just, like, whatever. Anyway. She begins ordering him to drink, like, finish your drink, and she's, like, commanding him to chug. Mm-hmm. And he's doing what he's she's saying, and then he she's, like, basically getting mad at him because it's really inconvenient for her to have to talk to him. Yeah, she's like, <sighs> Like, I just want to go fuck that slave. Like, this is really rude. And then, like, as she's forcing him to chug, she then says, I'll never hurt you, little brother. You know that, right? And you're, like, you're fucking forcing alcohol down his throat and then yelling at him. Like, what does she mean, like, she's never going to hurt him how? Well, because, like, she's, you know, not the one chopping off his penis, but she's just going to, like, <laughs> emotionally abuse him, I guess. And that's much better, isn't it? Um, And then, like, she says, I, I don't I, it's just, like, really abuser tactics. Like, sometimes she'll say, I'm sorry, but then, like, she'll go back to screaming at him. And then he'll say, like, oh, but I just want, and she'll be like, I don't care what you want, drink. And then, um... They kind of imply that they think Uncle Euron is hunting for us. Well, okay, 
strike the sails, fucking dumbasses. But then at at what point she says the line that makes me want to like punch my laptop. Mm -hmm. And I like my laptop. So this is how upset I am. Where she says something like, I know you've had some bad years. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? And Theon's like, what? What the fuck? (laughs) Some bad years? Is that what you call it? Anyway, then she says, and I quote, I need you. The real Theon Greyjoy. Not this rat shit pretender. They get points like, for that rat shit thing. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I thought she said ratchet pretender at first too, and I was like, what the fuck is this? But no, like that, that, that dialogue, that, that mentality. Mm-hmm. I understand like depiction, endorsement, whatever. But the idea that a person with PTSD is not the real person and that they need to go back because who they are is inconvenient right now. Like that is so damaging. Yeah, the whole thing, like, like, Theon's trauma is an inconvenience to it. Like, that's kind of the takeaway from all this. I, this is so ableist. Mm-hmm. And and it's just so counterproductive to anyone with any kind of anxiety. And, and this kind of, like, notion that, like, you come back from the war and you're changed and you're broken. Like, and no, all you have to do is person. suck it up. Right. Like, you're the same person. You need to, like, let find ways for people to like deal with their anxiety in a constructive way not not yelling at them for not being how they used and, to be and like especially oh, kind God. of in light of theon's arc in the books this is especially egregious yeah because like yeah the whole thing about him trying to be better than the real theon Greyjoy, quote unquote and like the whole thing where he's bonding with another survivor uh-huh. you know like anyway um she at one point like starts speaking softly and says look if you're so far gone then you know kill yourself and end it but otherwise uh i need you to be you again and according to D in the inside the episode he looks up at her and we see the flash of the real theon again the real theon so, who was like an asshole rapist yeah that one and and like you know bending up talks about how like the ironborn aren't going to be into cognitive behavioral therapy which mm-hmm. i get that yeah but the music is swelling we're seeing theon like pull it together and like you're supposed to think oh good this worked that's that's the problem it was presented like, in oh a she got through to him and love. now like theon is going to get better right her tough love mm-hmm. was, it won the won the day and and what really sucks is that then like the music just stops and she's like i'm gonna go fuck the tits off this one and the scene ends with a close-up on theon mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell alfie <laughs> allen is like really uncomfortable with the re- the resolution of this alfie allen is way too good for this shit like yeah, i really hope he, really he gets is. better work when this is over he deserves it anyway then and that's that the last scene. scene yeah and we're supposed to pat him on the head because they have gay representation right i feel really represented yeah don't you just feel i love so like validated by someone purchasing the services of a sex slave. Uh-huh. Yep. That's just, like, PG. But, like, the person doing the purchasing is a woman. It's empowering. Oh, okay. Well then. Julia, why don't you talk about the final scene? So, episode nine, Battle of the Bastards. Um, this is right after Danny has her wonderful battle of totally being about deadpan and not about Theon in it, and not about Tyrion in any way. Tyrion, yeah. <sighs> Whatever the fuck that was. Uh, so there's no establishing shot, so there's absolutely no way we can place this in the context of the timeline of the episode or anything. But there are Yara and Theon just standing in front of Deadpan's throne, and Tyrion is also there. And Tyrion starts, like, just opens his mouth and starts talking. Um, <sighs> We're treated to, like, it's a good two or three minutes. Tyrion is talking about all the dwarf jokes 
that Theod totally made off screen at some point. Um, because there were... If you go back and watch season one. Yeah, the only interaction they had in season one that I can recall, and we went back and checked, was the scene where Tyrion gives Theon a coin so he can go fuck Roz. And he's making fun of Theon for being captive. Yeah, and he's just like, ho ho, you think you're like a Stark, but no, you're actually a hostage, and ha ha, isn't that funny? So it's actually, you know, Tyrion being an asshole to Theon, not the other way around. Even though I don't doubt that Theon was an asshole, because he was an asshole to everyone. Um... And, like, Tyrion has this, like, monologue about how people who make dwarf jokes think they're so funny, but they're really all just telling the same four jokes. And, like, just goes on for so long. A really long time. Mm-hmm. And, like, watching this right after the previous scene, which was actually two episodes before, but, like, we were watching them right, right after the other, is, like, even worse. Because, like, Theon is just standing there taking all this abuse and, like, not defending himself. Like, all he says was, that's a long time ago. And... And then Tyrion is like, how have things been going on for you since then? And of course, like, you know, rubbing his abuse in his face again. Everyone loves the only that. The only good part is that at one point, like, Danny just gets bored of this and she just starts talking about, yeah, like, okay, so business. what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> so she's just like, okay, so you brought how many ships? And then she has to ask Tyrion if those ships are enough because she knows nothing, obviously. And, yeah. yeah. Well, she's just a young woman foolish in the ways of war. <laughs> but, yeah, like, so Yara makes the case. Basically, Yara just says exactly what they're doing here. Like, yeah. we want to come have an alliance with you. Uh, my, I was usurped by my uncle. And, you know, Danny's, uh. Actually, her uncle, like, won an illegal election process, but whatever. Yeah. In a I perfectly guess. legal, I mean. She, she calls process. him a usurper. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about, like, I want to be queen of the Iron Islands. And, you know, Danny says, has, has the Iron Islands ever had a queen? No more than Westeros. And Rhaenyra is still, like, staring <laughs> into the camera. Poor Rhaenyra. <laughs> I mean, she's, like, a shithead, but she was definitely a queen. Yeah, so she was probably almost as much a shithead as Yara is. <laughs> yeah, probably. Who would you rather have at a dinner party? Oh, I don't think Rhaenyra would rape me, so there we go. I don't think Yara would. I think she'd just buy a sex slave. Like, she just doesn't give a shit about positive consent. But she might, like, try to force us to drink and scream at us, so. I don't think Rhaenyra would do that. No. Rhaenyra might just like how it's executed. Aww. <laughs> just targ things. <laughs> anyway, uh. So then, like, they bond over the fact they both had shitty king fathers. Yeah, it's it's more of the same bonding that um, Deadpan and Tyrion did the season before, mm-hmm. where it's like two terrible children of two terrible fathers. But now, but now this time Yara is bonding like, oh, she's we flirt- were both usurped, and we both have bad fathers. She's like ah. flirt bonding, like it's yeah. not subtle. Like when I can tell that the woman is flirting with the woman, it's usually pretty not subtle because my hetero goggles are tight, very tinted. <laughs> yeah, you never notice when I'm hitting on you. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't either. That's what makes it funny. <laughs> Why would I hit on you? If you did, I wouldn't notice. So you can, really. And it won't make a difference. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> so as you were saying. No, they're just like, it's like really not subtle at all. Mm-hmm. And then, because at, at one point, um, Danny's like, well, why don't I just like support Euron? Because he's actually the king. And, and Yara says that he's coming like with a fleet. But that uh, he's going to require marriage. He's going to demand marriage of, of Deadpan. Mm-hmm. And Deadpan's like, you will, and you? And Yara goes, you know, I, I wouldn't demand, but I'm up for anything, really. <laughs> yeah, so they're flirting. Um, and... Yeah, Danny's, like, actually getting really hot and bothered. 
Okay, so basically what they agree to is that Yara will support Deadpan, and in return, Deadpan will, like, basically let the Iron Islands be independent as long as they don't go for the raping and the reading, reaving anymore. But Yara, all of a sudden, is all like, no, we like the raping and the reaving. Because pine cones. I don't know. Help well, me, Kylie. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's because Deadpan needed her to... Be like, no, so that Deadpan could win a moral victory in this scene. Like Deadpan trumps Yara in mm-hmm. terms of the there's like there's like a hierarchy of character needs. We should we should make this one of the times. Tyrion's at the top top, obviously. obviously. Ramsey's like number two. But like there's a hierarchy of character needs, and then like you're just other characters if you're below this character, you're just made an idiot. Um the thing and, and this is the stupid fucking scene too, where where Yara's like, I wanna team up and kill a bunch of people that don't think women should rule and Deadpan goes, Reasonable <laughs> Like the whole thing's really dumb. I also don't understand what this independence means for the Iron Islands. Like, are they going to start sowing their crops? Because if they can't reeve and rape, like how how are they going to provide for themselves? They have the fish of the sea. Okay, well, I hope they like sushi. Mm. And I hope they don't have a lot of pregnant women, I guess. But um, <laughs> They can I, cook I, their I fish. Just, <laughs> I just don't know what this is. And then the men nod their approval and the scene ends. Yeah, like, and that's, that's the plot the, line. That's it. What a story, Mark. I mean, we're doing a horrible job. I just don't understand. Like, this is just a whole bunch of nothing. Like, offensive nothing. Yeah. Well, and it was, like, surprising. Like, I know it took us forever to get through it, because it's just us. Mm-hmm. And I kept on being but, interrupted like, by family members and drama. But... But, like, th- there's so... There's just nothing here. Nothing. And, like, this final scene... This final scene is supposed to be the culmination of one of their plot lines, right? Which and I one? guess the closest... <laughs> Okay, let's officially dive into analysis because cause this ties bit into the first point I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. This plotline, Julia. Yes. Who is the main character? It's not Euron. <laughs> I think it's Aaron. <laughs> Wait, it's not Euron, is it? No. I don't he think so. He shows up for I two mean, episodes. He's, he, he's in two scenes. Yeah. Um. No, Euron's just like the, the antagonist. Okay, if he's the antagonist, then Yara's the protagonist. Okay, so this is Yara's arc. Yes. So what's Theon doing there? He's there so Yara can yell him out of his trauma. Okay, so Yara's arc. Okay. Yara's arc is that she's frustrated with her dad. Then he dies. So she feels it's her duty to step up. And she sees this as an opportunity to write the shitty path he's led them on, right? But Uh, what's her path? Her path is the shitty path as well. She's into the reaping and the raving. No, not not at first. (laughs) But no, because she wants to build the fleet at the salt moot. I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. But in episode two, she's talking about pine cones. Okay. Then she screams at Theon mm-hmm. because she thinks he killed Balon and because he didn't go with her. So she's mad at him. Okay. Then there's the salt moot where Theon supports her. No, no, no. But the salt moot was like Theon's character moment, not Yara's. Like the music swelled with Theon's. Yeah, because he um, could do public speaking despite his trauma. Unless, okay, no, we're pretending this is still Yara's arc. So then her arc is getting, like, her brother on her side. Okay. Which she does. Then she, like, doesn't get the the salt thrown. So she runs away, yells at her brother until he's himself again, because he was really inconvenient, and then negotiates an alliance. That's nice. Then negotiates an alliance through flirting. Yes. And and she's going to get revenge. So we assume. 
And this is her arc. Like, maybe we're even putting too much detail into it. Maybe her arc is just about punishing the dude that killed her dad. Well, That'd be very Game of Thrones. She has, like, ideas, right? Like, there's something okay. different. She, like, because she's in contention with her dad. Uh-huh. And then she dies. Well, then he dies, rather. What? <laughs> yeah. Then he dies, and she wants to revenge him. Well, she just says, the only thing she says to him is that we can defeat people at sea, but we can't hold lands. So you're being stupid for, like, trying to hold land. Okay, so she wants to go back to, like, the old, old way. So she's really into raping and reaving. Okay, she doesn't want to- <laughs> Oh, god damn it! She doesn't want to have a land-based empire. She just wants to be a Viking. Yeah, so this wasn't about the futility of the reaving style. This was about honoring the reaving style, wasn't it? I guess so. You were projecting Asha onto her. And we definitely had to have been projecting Asha onto her because, like, Yara Yara loves reaving. Apparently. Because the Ironborn all do. blood is salt. Uh-huh. Is that an arc? Well, her arc is that she wants revenge. I mean, that's an arc on Game of Thrones. Oh, God. Okay. Well, like, let's let's talk about Theon's arc, though, because there's too many character moments that are Theon's, I think, where we can dismiss him as a contender. Mm-hmm. Well, like, the thing is, like, like we mentioned uh, when we discussed episode two, his arc for the past five seasons has just been thrown out the window. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. It's no longer about, like, the conflict he feels with his identity and how he, how, like, you know, he wanted to be a Stark and he never could be. <coughs> and he, like, he, like, you know, he basically, you know, that he doesn't have a home and everything like that. Well, he's just decided that he's failed, so he's going home. Yes. So, this is... Which is kind of like a slap in the face to Sansa, to be honest. Yeah. But, you know. Like, that he considers that his home. That's, like, whatever. Yeah, and she's, and she's, like, well, because Sansa's, like, being actually supportive to him and, like, accepting him and saying that, like, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll defend you. And he's just like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to my, like, real sister who will yell at me and emotionally abuse me. So... Yeah. Yeah, this is fucked up. <laughs> so then he goes home. Mm-hmm. He decides he needs to support his real sister because apparently she means a lot to him now. Yes. And then she screams away his PTSD. And then he helps her get an alliance. What the fuck is this? What is this shit? Uh, just like, okay, so they decide they lose the salt moot. So. Julia, this is so much worse than I was originally thinking. <laughs> they lose the salt moot. So plan B is to go to Marine and get Deadpan's help. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Which is, like, kind of what Victorian did? Kind of? Well, Victorian was sent there, and then he was like, but I'm going to take her for myself. <laughs> yes. Because he's really smart. Mm-hmm. And, but then they stop okay. up at Volantis for some tail. <laughs> and scream away the- Theon's PTSD because it's boring. I know. Okay, so let's talk about Theon's PTSD. Um, okay. Let's okay, go through sure. each of his scenes and talk about how his PTSD is played out in that scene. Okay, so he tells Sansa he has plot things to do. Yeah, well, well, in that scene, his PTSD is, like, kind of well depicted because, you know, just even thinking about the thought of Ramsay hunting them, you know, he's, and he's full of, like, you know, kind of guilt and he doesn't, like, he has very low, a very low opinion of his own value and he's just like, you know, John will kill me on sight. I deserve it. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I can never atone for anything. And, like, that's all good but until he suddenly says, I have to go back to the Iron Islands, you know? <laughs> like, if his arc 
if his arc, like, had, if this was the first scene of his arc and his arc was going up to the wall with Sansa and working shit out. Right. Like, this would be a perfect first scene for that. And actually, like, the hug between them was kind of touching for that way. Yeah. But it's just a shame that it was, like, this, this scene was, I think this was our problem mm-hmm. with it. Like, it was well acted. It was, there was actually emotional beats yeah. to it. But the and, like, the relationship, so it's like, like, this kind of relationship is, especially for Game of Thrones, it's kind of earned even. Like, you can yeah, believe that these and, two characters would be bonding in this way. Like, like in the first episode where they were, like, you know, hugging for warmth. Like, you can, you bought that. Um, but, like, no, all of a sudden he has fucking plot things to do and, like, buy Sansa. Right, it's just, like, utterly a And it's just, like, that, any any that value that last season had, like, that Winter Hell had for any character is just thrown out the window in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so, okay, next scene. He's keeps apologizing to Yara when she's screaming at him. Yeah, so his PTSD is is there, and she's being a complete asshole. I don't think we're supposed to be at her side in point. But the music swells when he says he wants to support her. Like, why are we supposed to want him to support her? Yeah, why are we supposed to want her to be queen? What are we supposed to like about Yara exactly? Like, she's a woman on top? Because she... Because she made the point about pine cones, but now that we're looking at it in the context of her other scenes, her point about pine cones was just that you can't hold a kingdom. Yeah, so... It, was, it wasn't like, give up raping and reaving. It was like, you can't hold a kingdom. Yeah, like, so just rape and reave and don't try to actually do anything with it. Yeah, like, we were projecting... So, so for those who don't know, Book Asha just wanted them to get out of the north. Yeah. Like, because it was a losing battle. Yeah, well, what she wanted was, like, a negotiated settlement so they could settle in the north. Yeah, like, because she just didn't want them to be fighting uh, all the time, like, we're just going to pinch off Deepwood Bot and see if we can keep it. They can't. Yeah. So her whole thing was that she wanted to actually, like, come at a position of strength, say, let's get these lands, and mm-hmm. then we can actually build something. Yeah, we can, like, farm and shit. Yeah, so she didn't want a kingdom necessarily. She wanted, like, a truce. Yeah, she wanted, like, an actual future for her people, basically. Yes. Because she, yeah, because she's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But Yara Yara, or Yara, just is like, yeah, you can't hold a kingdom, and raping and reaving is our lifestyle. But yeah. sometimes we pay for slaves, so. <laughs> is this show overwhelming you? Okay, we're tracking Tian's PTSD, right? That's what we're doing right now? <laughs> yeah, so. So we're not supposed to be on her side until we are supposed to be on her side. Yeah, so she tells him to stop crying, and he's like, I'll support you. And this, it's obviously, like, like his behavior is very, like, he's forcing himself to interact with her at all. Like, you can tell he's, like, like he wants to kind of just... Run know, away. Run away and just kind of t- shut off. But he's, like, forcing himself to interact with her. And it's taking a lot of his, like, you know, mental energy. Then, yes. in the next scene, the salt moot, he's up giving a speech. A well-spoken speech in front of a crowd of people. Yes. And he does great. He does wonderfully. He, he, he gets sucks the crowd roughly on her side. It helps that there's no other candidates, but... Yeah, that helps. But, like... But, like, he's selling he's, it. Like, someone's yeah, he's, challenging he's, he's her. He's being assertive. He's, you know, forming complete sentences. He's not he's doing crying. A better job than, he's doing a better job than she did. She's, yeah. So, uh, PTSD, what PTSD is. And I know that people with PTSD aren't always, like, you know, quivering messes. But... This is assertive. Yeah, this is... This is Theon asserting himself. To the and, Ironborn. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I suppose the closest analog in the book is uh, during the uh, the wedding at Winterfell, where he has to like kind of play Theon, right? Where Reek has you know to play what it Theon. is is that you know what it is. Like I know we're trying to go through it, but it's pretty obvious he has PTSD when he's the focus of the scene. When he's not the focus of the scene, he doesn't get it. So this is a plot scene. This isn't about characters. 
I see. So okay. his goodbye was sad, so that was about his character. But, like... It was stupid, this, the, but it was about his character. The Saltwood scene is about him, and it's about Theon stepping up, basically. But I think they think it's supposed to be about Yara winning her claim, and then... No, it, and then Euron comes in and disrupts that. Like, I don't think he's supposed to be the focal point. I think it's supposed to be, like... But he clearly... We, Yara's not the focal point. I think, I think we're supposed to want her to triumph, and then we're supposed to be upset when she doesn't. Okay. But what does that have to do with Theon? Not a lot. That's my point. No, but he's clearly the focus of the scene because, like, the focus of the scene, like, the main tension in the scene before Euron shows up is no, whether or not Fiona's going to support her. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think the focus of the scene is supposed to be Yara's claim. And it just so happens that he's the mouthpiece for it because D&D don't know how to write women. Like, maybe this is, like, a completely meaningless distinction. But I just think, like, the scenes where he shows signs of having PTSD... Are the scenes where that is actually the focus. Like, Yara yelling at him. Because I'm thinking, after she yells at him in the throne room, he's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's taking he's taking Tyrion's abuse, and he's, like, not reacting to it. No, because she yells at him in Pike, and then in the King's Moot, he's perfectly fine. Then are we supposed to assume that, like, Euron dashing their hopes, like, re-traumatized him, so when they get to Volantis, he's all traumatized again? She has to yell at him again? Or... Or he's just fine there, and then she takes him into a triggering situation, like a brothel. For example, yeah. But, like, even, like, when they run away and get to the ships, like... He's nimble yeah, as shit, by the way. Like, he's just, like, normal. You know? He does, definitely doesn't look like a man who's missing half his toes. No. He definitely doesn't look that way. And he doesn't seem to be having, like, hesitations mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm. He's just like, we gotta get these ships. Like, he's, like, doing, like, shippy things. Like, you know, pulling on ropes and shit like that. I I don't understand how shitty things work. Um, but then we get to Volantis. But he's in a triggering yeah, setting. Yeah, that's in that case. true. Is he? But like, he's acting exactly the same as he did in the scene in Pike. Like PTSD doesn't have to. No, be it's linear, not. You know? linear. But but it can't just be ignored because like, oh, the salt moot. Like, there's too much ground to cover for us to deal with yeah. it. And that's kind of what it feels like. It just like goes away when it's convenient, and then it comes back. And like, I don't... that scene is just so ugly. I mean, but like, is, is this supposed to be like his trauma being dealt with? Yeah, it's tough love therapy. And, like, are we supposed to come out of the scene in Volantis going, "Oh, they addressed his trauma from the last few seasons, and now it's resolved"? Yes. yes. Yep. Seriously. Yes. The quote is, um, oh my god, which fallacy did I do this in? <laughs> so many. Whatever, I'm just gonna do it by memory. Um, the quote from the inside the episode, Benioff says, or maybe it's Weiss, one of them says, they blur together, that when we see him look up at Yara yeah. again, for the first time we see the real Theon in his eyes, and that's what he needed. So the, I think the implication is that the real Theon's back. Like, Theon's back in business. Making dwarf jokes again. <laughs> yes. So then, like, the last episode, the last scene isn't about him at all. It's about Tyrion first, and then it's uh-huh. about Yara and Deadpan flirting. Yeah, that has nothing to do with him. He just stands there and he's like, Yara's bad. <laughs> and Yara's gonna be queen, and I'm for that, for some reason. Um. So, forgive me for saying okay. this. I'm not finding a whole lot of meaning in Theon's arc. Other than they don't feel like writing about PTSD anymore, so now it's gone. Okay. 
I don't understand why we're supposed to care about him bonding with this sister after, like, rejecting the Starks, basically. I kind of, like, I was starting to care about him bonding with, with Sansa, whatever iteration of Sansa was in that scene. Was it <laughs> Sansa Stork or Brittany? Um, in that, at that point, at that point, that was Fansa. Fansa. <laughs> we, no, Fansa. We have to relearn all point. these many faces of Sansa for the, for the yeah. Winter Hell retrospective. But, yeah, like, that, like, I was... Like, I could have been compelled by that. Like, there was something there. Yeah, because they actually built up a relationship with them. Like, Yara and Theon, they really have Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, Yara wanted to rescue him, and he didn't go, so then he had to apologize to her. I, I don't even fucking yeah. know. Like, I'm just, I'm just not finding an incredible amount of meaning in his arc, and it just kind of feels like they flushed out four years of development. Mm, like, four years of, like, you know, moderately good work. Yeah, I mean, it was flawed, and there was, like, very exploitative mm-hmm. measures taken, such as, like, making sure it was Sansa that he had a rescue and all that shit. But, like, you know, it was still groundwork, yeah. right? But then, so so his arc is just kind of, like, overcoming PTSD. Overcoming and, PTSD, like, as written by someone who doesn't know anything about it. And getting, like, really into the idea of the Ironborn culture again. Yeah, and, but I'm just, like, Yara seems to be, like, kind of, like, the author avatar when it comes to because like they they find his trauma inconvenient and they just kind of want to get it over with it does seem to be the case yeah yeah and then yara's arc is revenge huh Huh. okay so i think like that's all the meaning we're gonna tease out of this uh well yeah there's there's one more thing i want to talk uh well we kind of have to talk about really uh to do with yara and that is okay the fact that she's a swashbuckling lesbian oh okay well, talk to me about that, Julia. Okay, ask the straight girls to talk about that. Um, uh-huh. I just want you to squirm a little bit. Like, well, like, it was just like, I remember when the trailer dropped, and they had that, like, little clip of her making out with the sex slave. And I said that she was And, and you said, oh, that's Yara. They've, they've made her a lesbian. And I was like, I'm not convinced that's Yara. <laughs> that would be really stupid. And of course it was. And then it's just like, it had this kind of air of inevitability about it. Like, of course they would make her a lesbian because they just have so little imagination that they can't imagine that a woman who isn't conventionally feminine would not be a lesbian. Like, they do the, they do the same I mean, thing with Brienne, even though Brienne is clearly into Larry, which is weird. I think Brienne is supposed to be straight on the show. I think Alex Graves is just a fucking Alex idiot. Alex Graves is a fucking idiot, but... And, like, you know, but, like, that kind of, you know, the I suppose you could say, like, the coding almost for Brienne is there. I guess you could say that, but, like, at the same time, I don't know. To me, these are the type of dudes that would just assume everyone's straight. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, less feminine w- women, I think they would still just assume are into dudes. And to me, them making her a, a lesbian was their attempt at actually, like, you know, increasing having diversity. representation, like, just think, like the, think... the bisexual manifesto that they had Shobrin talk about. <laughs> yeah, like it's not flattering no. that it happens to be a woman who does sort of fit into certain coding stereotypes. I guess I don't think that's an accident, like that. though. I mean, it's 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 not just not flattering. It's just like, of course, they would pick well, her. I, like maybe. Maybe they had the thought, like, who could we make a lesbian? And then they're like, well, Yara seems that way. Why not? Yeah, but why does she seem um, that way? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're they're making some ugly yeah. assumptions, probably. At the same time, like, it, it, if if it was just that in and of itself, like, I'm not a very feminine person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, 
but non-feminine women who date women we exist so like that in and of itself wouldn't bother me of course it would be very in the line with the yeah, pattern i mean like but that's what, kind of what the point do- that's in line with the pattern yeah but like what does bother me is like they made this change from the mm-hmm. source material, right? This this was an actual adaptational decision. At some point, they said, when we're adapting Asha to the screen, yeah, we're calling her Yara, but whatever. Her sex, should we make her a lesbian? And someone said, yes, make that yes. change. So when you make a change to an adaptation, to, to a source I mean, there, material... There are, like, and, gay I mean, women in A Song of Ice and Fire. Yes. Like, Nymeria. like, Cersei. <laughs> yes. Or, like, Marge has inclinations. It's hypothesized. <laughs> well, they they went kind of in that direction too, but in a very annoying way. Um, yeah, I know. They in a clear yeah. way. Um, no, I mean there there's there's women that they they mm-hmm. could have used to explore this theme, if such as it is, or yeah. Danny to a degree. I mean, she kind of had like a straight girl college experience, mm-hmm. but like that's. The I mean, that's that's something like anyway. worth exploring, even like just straight girl college experience. They make or, a lot of you know the thing that happens. Maybe we should talk about them sometimes. Right. But they, they, they make a lot mm-hmm. of changes to the source material. And I wouldn't say most of them justify yeah. themselves. But at one point you have to ask, what actually does this do? Like, why? If they didn't want to adapt any of Asha's lovers and what what they were going for with Asha's sexual mm-hmm. agency, which to me is a very crucial part of Asha's yeah. character, but they're obviously not spending the effort developing the Iron yeah, Man anyway. I mean, and, like, I don't think, like, you could do the thing, like, I don't think you could do this, like, you couldn't make the same point that George R. R. Martin makes with Asha if she weren't heterosexual, or at least, like, into dudes. Absolutely yeah, not. Because Absolutely it, it's not. about, like, you know, gender relations and, you know, her agency within her relationship with men. And if she were having a relationship yes. with women, like, you know, there would be a point to be made there, but it wouldn't be that point. Um, yeah, or, or or just, like, I mean, she could be bisexual, yeah, she could I guess, be, but, why. like, yeah. I, I, no, I, I, to- I totally mm-hmm. agree with what you're saying, but, but, but what I'm saying is that, what did it do for it the story I mean, for she, anyone? I, she got to flirt with deadpan. She couldn't do that if she were heterosexual. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, unless Deadpan and Yara are like end game, I'm not gonna see a payoff. Yeah. Unless, actually, it kind of makes Deadpan seem really stupid too. Like, is Deadpan just like sexually interested in Yara, so that's why she's acquiescing to letting them? be Well, she gave her last like, lover we... like you know an entire geopolitical region to rule. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, are we supposed to be thinking that like Deadpan thinks with her vag yeah. too much, and like that's an issue? Is that is that what we're supposed to be thinking? Because Tyrion even says something to her like oh, well, what about when all the other kingdoms start asking for their independence? Yeah. And she's like, but they're asking nicely. Because <laughs> they're floating. So, like, are we supposed to think that Deadpan's just this idiot? Because that's kind of the effect. Yeah. Or is this supposed to be making me feel represented? Because, like, it's just so it's random like- and not attached to anything. And she's raping a slave, mm-hmm. yeah, by the by way. by the way. That's, that's not a way to, like, show female sexual agency. Like, you know... No, Women can like, rape too. It's not going to make me feel to, very empowered. Like, am I supposed to be connecting to this character? Because I'm seeing an asshole mm-hmm. who wants to rape and reave, and that's her end game. Who hates PTSD because but it's inconvenient. You, you like women's asses. She likes women's asses. Like, don't you feel a connection there? And what? Why aren't there fine asses in Westeros? <sighs> I don't know. Why are sex slave asses the only fine asses? What's going on, Yara? <laughs> I know that's so not the point, but, like... <sighs> so, I don't know. I, gu- I guess maybe there will be a really big payoff. 
But, like, right now it just feels... I'm a little surprised. Pandering? That... It, it feels pandering. It feels, yeah, a little... Of course it's in this yeah, pattern. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised like, that just, you're, of you're course. like, so not hard on them for that pattern, though. Um, because, like, if it was just that, it wouldn't be an issue, I don't what think. What do you mean? Like, okay, they have a less... Like, I don't know. I am kind of hard on Modern Family for that, though. So. Yeah. I see what you mean. I guess, just, I like, guess what I just mean I is know, that, like, like in like, the scope it's, it's of everything else that's wrong with this. Like, like, it's, it's clearly the implicate, it's clearly what Alex Graves was thinking when he said that Brienne must be a lesbian because, like, it's just this implication that oh, if God. a woman isn't conventionally feminine, then what man would want her? So therefore she must be a lesbian? Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean, it does, you know, tokenism does drive me a bit up mm-hmm. a wall, especially when it's in line with stereotypes. Um, you know, Nymeria Sand is probably the only, like, confirmed, like, the closest that of anything we would call a lesbian, mm-hmm. if we're talking traditional sexuality labels. It would be Nymeria Sand, and in the book, she's, like, very yeah, feminine. she's, like, the most feminine involving a sense. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, you know, this gets into stereotypical representation, still representation, mm-hmm. you know. There, there is this kind of tension, interestingly, in The Legend of Cora Phantom, discussing Prince Wu and his yeah. coding. Because people were, some people were, like, really uncomfortable with it, but then other people were like, well, effeminate men exist, so, like, what's the issue? Um, and, and I guess what what my point is, where I'm coming from, is just in the scope of everything else wrong with <laughs> Yara the swashbucking lesbian, the fact that Yara happens to, like, strut around with a sword, that's, like, you know, number 42 on a very long mm-hmm. list of issues that I take, is what okay. I'm saying. that's fair, I suppose. Like of course, of course, it's not flattering, but it also might be unintentional. We're about steel, yeah, man, right? That's true. But like the steel men here right now is that they're so incompetent that they're not offensive on purpose. <laughs> you know. Well, yes, and I think that's the case across the board. Like they thought the season was about women yeah. on top. Okay, women on um, top by raping other women. Like, do I feel represented by Yara? No, but that's for many, many, many reasons. So, I, I don't know. The pattern's not flattering, but the raping the sex slave is really not yeah. flattering, you know? So, that, that's just where I'm coming from. All right. So, um, next on the list is Euron and what the fuck we're supposed to think of him. Just for something completely different. Oh, God. <laughs> like, the scene with Balon, I think, is the mm-hmm. best representation of this dichotomy of are we supposed to be seeing him as really ominous or really weak? Because there's the case to be made within the scene for yeah. both, right? Like, he was scared of a storm, so he was tied to a mast. And then he cut out people's tongues because he wanted silence. So is he badass? Like, are we supposed to think that he's badass? How can we? But are we supposed to? Well, he is killed he, is, he Is he, like, supposed to be the big new villain? I think. I think so. He did want to murder Tian and Whose side was supposed to be on? Uh-huh. For reasons that I can't explain, but there you have it. I think he is. I mean, spoiler, we know he's teaming up with Carol, uh-huh. Cheryl, and she's really bad, Obviously. so... Unlike Elena, who's super good. <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to view him as the antagonist, but are we supposed to view him as, like, an actually terrifying antagonist or just, like, a fucking idiot that people get behind because patriarchy? The patriarchal commentary is there, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, they, like, you know, he talks about his dick, mm-hmm. and Theon doesn't have a dick, and therefore, and Theon uses words like gallivant because he doesn't have a dick, and therefore Euron is the best for the job. 
It's very gendered language if the patriarchy commentary is not supposed yeah. to be there. I don't think. I think it's the most it, competent, the most competent patriarchy commentary they've made thus far, actually. With their like their adaptation of the Ironborn. No, just that one scene. <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I should give them credit for it. Well, here's the thing. Like, we're feminists, uh-huh. right? Why aren't we giving them credit for it? Like, why isn't this working for us? Because it's obviously not working for well, us. Well, I'm not giving them credit for it because, like, it's Game of Thrones. And if they want me to give them credit for it, they have to prove it <laughs> at this point. They have to work uphill. Uh, so it's the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I, I'm considering whether I should. And that means they've done something right. Like, we're supposed to think that Euron is just propped up by the patriarchy mm-hmm. and he there's not a whole lot to him and therefore that's showing okay well here's where i think it falls on its face okay is that yara wants the exact same things exactly so the only so difference like it, between them is that he has a penis and she doesn't right which is like okay like i get why that means that he'd win the claim over her but what is the like deconstruction of this culture like what is the comment that this is making like okay they'll elect a guy and then it's the, what 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 is this it, doing? It's that like you know you have a woman who is in every way as good as a man, and they won't elect her because she's a woman. Okay, so then we're supposed to really want her and Deadpan to like sweep Westeros with girl power? Yes. Okay. Well, they set that up. I guess so. Do you feel really empowered? No. I wish we had Arian. <laughs> We don't need Arian. We just need a like a fucking coherent <laughs> character here. Like the whole thing with Asha is that she doesn't mm-hmm. buy into this, yeah. right? She doesn't buy into their culture or their lifestyle or their bullshit, but she navigates it anyway because she knows she kind yeah. of needs it. So she she has to emasculate other people as yeah. her claim. But we're in her. But we know that that's not really like how she feels about yeah. any of this. But with Yara, she's totally into this. She's just sad that she can't be the ruler. Is she sad? I mean, we assume she's sad, but do we ever see her being sad? We see her, like, being confused well, because she has no comeback at the debate. Well, she seems to still want the salt throne, so that's something. She's, she calls Euron a usurper even though, like, he won, yeah, he won the, he won the king's election. fair and square. Uh. <laughs> and she wants revenge yeah. for Balon. So. I guess that's her bone of contention with him that he killed Balon. Yeah, that that to be fair, that kind of is yes. usurping. So, but like, I mean, Balon was going to die eventually. Yeah, I guess. Especially because he was like seventy <laughs> years older than Euron. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Like, dear listeners, the youngest brother of this set is supposed to be Priestie McBeardface. <laughs> He's the youngest brother. <laughs> This guy's so old, too. <laughs> Why did they cast this man? Which one? Any of them. Well, Balon was well cast. Balon was fine. Why did they cast Euron and Aaron like know. that? I think we should just call Pre-Steaming Beardface Little Brother. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? So, like, for this to be a really good commentary on, on mm-hmm. the patriarchy, Euron is full of shit and not really that okay. badass. We can accept that. Because, but I have a feeling that's not what our takeaway was supposed to be. What, what, what do you think our takeaway was supposed to be? 
I think we were supposed to think he was a badass. Because that scene on the bridge. I am the drowned god. Like, if he, was, I, if he wasn't supposed silence. to be intimidating, then they filmed it oddly. What, what the fuck was he talking? I needed silence. What the fuck are you talking about? You were the one screaming. That's why they tied you to the mast. And what was it that cut to his cheek? Like, can what they do anything right? About? Well, how? what did you find? Uh, what did you think of the Ironborn world building? What Ironborn world building? Um, we know that they like reaping and breeding and raping. They like the iron price even when it's kinslaying. Mm-hmm. But not when it's a brothel. They don't care yeah. about it. And uh, they like to be independent. They don't like being conquered. Um, uh-huh. They like manly things. Like, like penises. penises. Um, they're yeah. into their religion. Even your own. Exactly. Um, what a pile of shit. I mean, there's nothing here. Like, when you look at it in isolation, there's nothing here. Yeah. No, absolutely not. It's an alliance for deadpan, and it's a new villain. Yeah, and they finally got to... And it's not a very good villain. They finally got to get rid of Theon's pesky trauma. Uh Uh-huh. Displacing Theon from where he should be, but whatever. Like, why couldn't Sansa have yelled away his trauma? Yeah, she she kind of did last season, Well, he, like, ran ran away, remember? (laughs) Flapping his arms. (laughs) Like Kermit. (laughs) So that's how Theon, that's, that's how to cure Theon. You just need to scream at him a bunch. Sansa got him started and Yara yes. finished the job. Uh, what a sack of nothing. I'm trying to think of something intelligent, insightful to say. <sighs> There's, there, okay, well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to go into Checklister Ask. Okay. Because, Let's. Uh, Checklister, okay. Um, I think we already did Checklister Aspel about Deadpan uh, allying with, like, Vic. Yeah. And you said uh, you don't think ally would be the right yeah. word. Um, Checklister Aspel, Theon and Asha end up fighting together in some kind of military campaign. Um, well, there's a bit of setup for something like that, where uh, Asha's chapter in uh, A Feast for Crows that ends with her kind of realizing that she could maybe claim that the king's moot was illegal because Theon wasn't there to make a claim. Should we talk about the Winds of Winter spoiler chapter? Yeah, why not? Okay, so just spoiler warning, if you haven't read the sample chapters, we're going to talk about uh, the Theon chapter. Because um, he's, like, not in a good spot, no. right? It seems like he's going to die. Yeah, and Asha's kind of uh, trying to prevent that from happening. But right, she's but kind of like not in a position of leverage. <laughs> right, because she tries to, like, because she does come to that realization that maybe, like, with Theon alive, she can negate the king's moot, but... She tries to negotiate for Theon to survive, and Stannis is like, but I'm the law, and the law is not Yes. Locked. And, but, like, that situation is so volatile right now. Like, we don't know how the Battle of Ice, we don't, sorry, know how the Battle of Ice is going to turn out. Um, and who who knows how that will shake out in terms of Asha and her position, and, you know, if, if like, Wait, so you a think resurrected po- John is somehow involved... That- so you think it's possible that Theon supports Asha at some point in for her claim? Oh, it's definitely possible. Okay, so checklist Aspel. I mean, it's hard to call it a checklist because, like, the context is so widely different. But, like, yeah, I think we're going to read The Winds of Winter and be like, that's what they meant. Oh, okay. So you don't think Theon's going to die very early? I don't think I do. Okay. I mean, like, he could, obviously, but I don't think I do. Like, okay. you know, if, if 
people asked me to write the last two volumes myself. I don't think he'd be dying early now. I'm not sure it'd be very good writing if he did, but I'm not sh- I'm not confident in his survival. I'm not confident so in anyone's survival, but but I just mean like even like past that chapter, but yeah. I don't I mean why would Stannis change his mind? Well, his mind could be changed for him. Yeah, that's true. By a resed John or something. something. So you're going to guess checklist. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to say checklist because context, but yeah, checklist for sure. Why not? Um, okay. Uh, Jesus Christ, what else is there to checklist or Checklist or Aspel, Theon's PT- PTSD gets the other way. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Yeah. See, Ash is like not a complete asshole. Like, she would be more like Sansa. So. Yeah, Ash is like, well, while we're talking about the, the spoiler chapter, like, we might as well say. Asha meets Theon again mm-hmm. after seeing what Ramsay did to him. This is like the first time she didn't ever try to do the Dreadfort rescue mission because she didn't circumnavigate the world. <laughs> and um, when she sees what happened, she actually is like talking to him really quietly mm-hmm. and just being really like compassionate. Yeah, and he's and like the way he's that- upset because it sounds like she might cry, mm-hmm. and he hates when people cry. And he's right now, and he's all like. You know, oh, sister, I recognized you this time, and it's really touching. <laughs> yeah, it's really touching. No, because, cause, like, she just is, like, really gentle mm-hmm. with him, and that actually upsets him. Yeah. But, so, like, there's, like, this Yara character, like, who the fuck is this? She's just some asshole. Checklist, or asshole, Yara has uh, same-sex predilections. I'm going to say asshole just because, like... She seems into the dick. Yeah, I mean, just because she's into the dick doesn't mean she's not into the. Yes, you know. I know, dear. I'm bisexual. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but like, I, I like, I like because I, I think because like, I think that's something the author would avoid because, like, basically because of her coding. Like, what bisexuality? Yeah, because it would be like too obvious, I guess. I don't know, like, and I don't think yeah, that she's good. gonna have much time for fucking. You know, people are gonna be busy. <laughs> but she and Allie Mormont kind of like developed that bond. You think that was like a romantic bond? Mm. Like, no, this is this I is should... a serious question. No, no, I think she's straight. If I had to yeah. guess, I think she's straight in the books. It's it's not to say it's a problem if she's no, not. of course it's not like, a problem, but just I don't like, think I don't that will be anyone's focus. But... I mean, there are a couple of characters oh, whose who sex life might be a bit of a focus, but Ash is definitely not one of them. Martin doesn't have a ton of bisexual representation. Um, I guess Oberyn. Yeah. Uh, you could say Ilaria. But we don't really know the details of yeah. that. That's just something the show kind of ran with. Um, uh, Danny, to a degree, Cersei, Cersei, I would say strongly, mm-hmm. but that's uh, not a lot of people are as into queer Cersei readings as I am. Apparently not. So, but um, dude, just like how she thinks about Tyrion from the start. I mean, she's also misogynist, yeah. so you have to keep that in mind. But like, she's no, I, I, I think Martin actually does a not horrible job with just like having a society where sexual orientation really like. A rock solid concept, which is fine, because yeah. that's like you know how it'd be. Yeah. Brianne's a little <laughs> No, like we can't even play checklist or ask fool because this was just you know a pile of salt. Yeah, I mean, like if we hadn't read a feast for crows and then we saw this season and then we read the salt moon in a feast for crows or the king's mate rather in a feast for crows, like we'd be like, <laughs> oh, that's what they meant. That's what they were, yeah, going, they were for. going for. You know, so like. And just, like, that, the salt mood had, like, nothing to do with the king's mood. Like, at all. 
It's just, you're on talking about his dick. I mean, like, I, I suppose the theme was there of Asha and her, like, you know, frustrated ambition. And, but. I think Aaron is my favorite part of this. <laughs> Priesty McBeard face. <laughs> I think, I think he's the best. <laughs> like, what is this? And he's a Euron stan. No, it's just like, it's, 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 a, it's like a bit more of that cargo cult stuff that we've talked about in other plot lines that just like, they throw these things on the screen, like they throw things like Aaron onto the screen, and if you've read the books, you can say like, oh, that's Aaron. But if you haven't, like, this character, this little bit character is meaningless to you. <laughs> like, what is it supposed to add? <laughs> like, I, I don't understand why people like this show. <laughs> It's getting to the point, yeah, I, like... Like, what did they get out of it? Yeah. It's getting to that point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hold on, I want to, um... Okay. May Euron, your servant, be born again from the sea as you were. Bless him with salt. Bless him with stone. Bless him with steel. Listen to the waves. Listen to the god. He is speaking to us, and he says, We shall have no king but Euron Greyjoy. Let the sea wash your follies and your vanities away. Let the old Euron drown. Let his lungs fill with seawater. Let the fish eat the scales off his eyes. What is dead may never die, but rises again harder and stronger. Wow. I'm so moved. And then <laughs> they bring the body out and they stare at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I mean, there's no words to describe that. Like, immaculate CPR. <laughs> Where are my niece and nephew? Let's go murder them. No, the guy's name is Aaron. It says Aaron in the, in the transcript. In the transcript, because somebody read the books did the transcript. Yeah, but I'm assuming, like, on the casting sheet. Yeah, but, like, no, like, you're an unsullied. What is this character supposed to be to you? He's just a random priest guy, right? It, it kind of, like, there's a lot of scenes that I feel like the unsullied watch, and they're like, what the fuck is this I about? Know. Like, um, the children of the forest, anything with them, really, but when they create the others. Well, there's all these videos like- on YouTube trying to explain shit to unsullied, so you're probably not far off. Yeah, I guess. Like, remember when they thought that, like, John was the love child of Ned and Liana? Mm-hmm. And they were, like, yelling about what a, a hypocrite Ned is. Because <laughs> that's how badly they fuck up the central theme of the novels. Like, the Song of Ice and Fire is John, and they didn't even bother mentioning the fire. Whatever. I don't know, Shobrin kind of mentioned it. I think that was the last time Rhaegar was mentioned. <laughs> I know, I'm sure he was mentioned offhand in the sixth season. I don't remember that. Ilya Martel. Oh, God. Like, what does anyone get out of this? What is this? What is this? What did we just watch? We watched season six of like, Game of Thrones. The no, most at least successful we television show uh, ever. At least when we watched Simplify Bay, it was a plot. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is this? These are just, like, four scenes slapped together. Yeah, well, this is, like... Did they give this any consideration? This is plot stuff they had to get out of. Like, they had to get out on screen this season. I guess. Okay, well, how... do you, here? Here's my question for mm-hmm. you, do you think Yara and Danny will, like, hook up? No. <laughs> okay. I know queer beating when I see it. <laughs> so, guys, just so you know, there was one point before the season started. Mm-hmm. Julia and I, um, we had this happen before season five started a little bit because we wrote our treatise on, uh, like, everything wrong with Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. the adaptational decisions that, like, first. Yeah, that was yes. kind of, like, uh... and we were... Our big break. And we were, we were a little bit like, what if season five is good? Like, maybe it will be really good. And then the screeners came out and we're like, okay. <laughs> no. 
But, um, you know, like, obviously, after season five, you know, Wendy uh, contacted us to start the website. And, like, we were kind of, like, positioning ourselves to be in a position, not of, like, any authority, but to really be, like, putting Game of Thrones critique front and seven and really be focusing on it in a professional setting. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this podcast is so professional. Yeah. Well, this is just our own little love child. Like, this is not, we don't need to talk about this. But, like, there were a few times that Julia and I would be like, what if season six is really good? What if this is really good? And there was one point where I said to Julia, and I don't know if you remember this, I said, Julia, I am really worried about something. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that they're going to do something really good with Yara, and me being, like, a tiny gay, I'm going to feel very compelled by the swashbuckling Lysibian and her plight against the patriarchy, and I'm going to stand her character, and I'm going to have only positive, happy things to say. Okay. And it's not like it's a problem if we do have a positive opinion on Game of Thrones, but, like, okay, everyone does, so... Yeah. If, you know... It d- and we had all these critiques of season five, too, and it's, you know, a lot harder for them to hold water, but... Fortunately... <laughs> fortunately. <laughs> fortunately, the show's run by David and Dan, so... But yeah, I don't know how much you remember that. Uh, suffice it to say, I'm not feeling super representative, represented by anyone, uh, nor that interested in Yara as a character, as anything. She's kind of an asshole. Kind of, yeah. In fact, the only character I'm interested in at this point is Miss Ande. <laughs> well, she's kind of awesome. But like, who else am I supposed to even give a shit about? Mm. I don't know, Kylie. So. I really don't know. Well, on that note, Julia, we are going to somehow have to write a retrospective on this. Yeah, it, there, there's not enough content here for that. Um, sh- we might even do a Horde Fair uh, analysis-y recap yeah. or whatever we called it, right? Um, but Maybe not. I we'll don't know. We, we might do recaps. I mean, yeah. like, this plotline was clearly never their focus. And, like, this is what happens when they don't put effort into something, I think. And I mean, it's it almost makes it more tragic when they do put effort into things because of how badly those turn out. Yeah, like the sand fakes. <laughs> I don't know if that was effort. Well, the marketing but, uh, like, put effort into it. No, I was thinking more like Simplified Bay because mm-hmm. that like they put a lot of effort into it, and that was they put still a lot just, of money like, into it. Well, um, they wanted Battle of the Bastards to be the big, big, big thing, so the most effort is obviously put into Winterfell. Yeah. Winterhell. Uh, so that, I mean, I don't know how we're going to write that retrospective, but maybe there's something really cool there. Maybe. That we just missed. <sighs> the first time through. Because we're, we're just too negative. <sighs> God, this is the dumbest. This is the dumbest. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. This is making me, you, you know what though? This made me appreciate the Ironborn of the books so much Did more. Did it? <laughs> so good job. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, they actually have themes and shit. and They have themes and shit. It I, doesn't make like, Aaron really... Greyjoy more compelling. I mean, the only thing that made him more compelling was his sample chapter, I think. And that only made him a little bit more compelling. Um, I think it makes um. I didn't really find his... Whatever. Um, <laughs> it makes him a little bit more compelling. Um, well, he did. Mm. But uh, I, I think it makes Asha a lot more compelling, actually. Yeah, I mean, like... There's there's never been anything wrong with Asha or her character. Just like don't no, find but her I actually like, have some weird reason. feelings. I have feelings for her now. Yeah? Um, well, like yeah, kind of. I she still has those two chapters that are so freaking mm-hmm. weird. But like yeah, for the most part, and I just appreciate you know even if Martin's stories when they're not gripping me, they're just so yeah. good. 
like you can appreciate them like you know, you, I, like, you know as a writer like from a structural level yeah and and you know we were even saying that like in many ways the ironborn chapters were a little bit of a structural mess yeah and they kind of like it it wasn't a very well honed story but it is still thematically significant and it means it means something it does i mean so george buddy <laughs> you can take your time on winds of winter yes we want it to be because good. your quality of work speaks mm-hmm. for itself yeah. <laughs> George R. R. Martin does not want you to vote for Donald Trump. No, not at all. Which makes me very happy because there's like dude bros that are all into the book series and it's like, yeah. oh, okay. But anyway, that's the podcast. It's just like, we're going to keep talking in circles. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is going to be an awkward jump cut as well. You know what? Let's just do all the awkward jump cuts. Like, let's just embrace our awkward jump cutness. Hi, guys. We're back in the future. <laughs> <sighs> what does the future look like, Kylie? Am I pregnant? <laughs> that that's to do that's with a little future. too just... niche, even for an Avatar book snobbery. Yeah, yeah. That has <laughs> to do with the future. It just makes Joya laugh. What does the future look like? Oh, well. Uh, in case you didn't get this vibe, we recorded that episode before the election. So. <laughs> Back when it was still funny. Back when it was still memeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Today's the day that Mitt Romney. Like the picture of Mitt Romney surfaced with him and Trump at dinner. So is Mitt Romney with his like. Now you're just expression. exposing how long it takes you to edit one of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, I mean it, it was really just like we had Iron Boar on our timeline to come out the, you know, last week when it did come out mm-hmm. the piece, and we just needed to record it in advance of it because both Julie and I listened back to our podcast. We listened to like a rough cut, mm-hmm. and then we released afterwards bringing you a shittier, shittier experience. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit unstructured. We're going to try to have a bit more structure to Unabashed Book Snobbery yeah, now coming that it's, soon. Yeah. Not, not like different. We're not going to yeah. mess with the formula, but just, you know, we'll try to rein it in a little. We have a new logo, too. It's a salt shaker. Yes. I, I'm, I'm sad to use, lose Leanderthal Damon, but... Neanderthal Damon was not appropriate to post on the Fundamentals, though. He's so. a little too niche. He's he's just a little too niche and maybe a little too copyrighted. So. Yeah. <laughs> just something to be uh, warned about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, um, Julia and I are really, really happy because we asked for reviews and two of you left really nice ones. Yes. And one of them said that we turned you into a Dorn stan, or that we at least got you to care about Dorn a little bit. Which means we can both die happy. Yeah, exactly. And the other one was lovely, too. It said that you know, we were good counterbalance. But but I couldn't help but notice there isn't a single review on the Canadian iTunes. There's not a single review on the Canadian iTunes. And there's no maximum of reviews. In fact, uh, it helps us get a lot of exposure mm-hmm. for any, any uh, ratings. And reviews are even better than ratings. Yes. So... Drop them away, even even if you would just want to be like, these girls are so self-serving. They recorded a podcast about Julia's bad back. <laughs> you were both upset. Whatever you want to say, but no, mm-hmm. we really do appreciate it. And it doesn't take that long. I yeah. I left a uh, review on my ASMR podcast that I fall asleep to sometimes. Yeah. And if it's too much work really to write a review, then uh, tell a friend who's into A Song of Ice and Fire about the podcast. 
Exactly. And we are going to do a Song of Ice and Fire specific episodes yes. if when we can plan it out and find the time. We would love to do that because we prefer a Song of Ice and Fire if you didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another thing that's going to happen now that we've moved to the fundamentals is that we might have a semi-regular schedule, which will be new and exciting. At the moment, we're tempering our expectations, mm-hmm. maybe hoping that it's going to be monthly. But yeah. if we're able to get book material podcasts together just depending on what the planning looks like for that we'll see we'll see what happens mm-hmm. um expect 2017 to be some adjustments and stuff in that nature yeah but other than that visit the and explore the fundamentals of fandom and i guess we will talk to you next time seven blessings upon you guys <laughs> bye bye Julia, why don't you talk about the final scene? My mouth is full of persimmon. You know who likes persimmon? Book Danny. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. Doesn't she? She talks about it a couple times. She has a persimmon tree. I'd like a persimmon tree. Okay. That would be nice. Okay, why don't you swallow your persimmon and then talk about <laughs> You can only find them, like, in the grocery store, like, maybe, like, a month out of the year. I get really excited. They grow year-round in California. I'm not in California.